Let me try again. Good afternoon, those who are here and thousands watching online. <laughs> Sorry for the technical difficulties. Uh, he will be replaced today. We'll be getting a new audio guy soon. But uh, <laughs> hope you have uh, been enjoying uh, the series on prayer. Uh, for me, prayer is definitely uh, one of those things you got to work at it, you got to believe it. You got to practice it. You got to sometimes be disciplined just to do it. And other times it should flow out of our hearts. Um, but either way, when we come to our prayer life, uh, many times we know when our prayer has power and we know when it doesn't have power. And these disciples who are following Jesus, uh, they saw in him something they didn't see in their prayer life and something they didn't see in the priest's prayer life and something they didn't see in the Pharisee's prayer life. They saw Jesus pray not just with uh, a stale, memorized, long, drawn-out prayer. They saw him pray with power, that when Jesus prayed, God moved. When Jesus prayed, hearts were changed. When Jesus prayed, eyes were open. When Jesus prayed, ears were open. When Jesus prayed, there was a power to it, so much so the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. That's what we want. We want prayer like you know prayer, Jesus. How do we pray? And so Jesus uh, gave us the model prayer. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it the model prayer. Some people call it the disciples' prayer. And yes, I do believe in praying the, the disciples' prayer. Um, I don't think uh, you just do it every night just to do it. But a lot of times I will quote it. I've taught it to our kids um, I think the only one's left is Courtney. I don't know if she knows all the way through, but we're trying. She does. Okay, so she knows the Lord's Prayer, but trying to pray it through um, and, and use the words. But then also, you can use it as an outline. You can use it as you say the phrases. You pray along, or you supplement that with the prayer in your life. And so, uh, when he said, "Teach us to pray," uh, the disciples said, "Teach us to pray." Jesus, uh, give us the Lord's Prayer. And the first week we talked about the relationship of prayer. Jesus started his prayer by saying, Our Father. And of all the things that should stop us in our track, when we go to call upon the God of the universe, that we get to call him Our Father. That, that it is a relationship between us and God because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ that we get to call on God as our Father. And that should set the tone for us, that God wants to hear from us. He doesn't want to shun us away. He doesn't want to not be bothered by us. He is our Father, and we have the right, and we have the ability to go to Him, and the relationship we have in prayer is that we go to a good, good, heavenly Father. So as we open our prayer, our Father sets the tone because that's the relationship we have in prayer. The second thing we talked about last week was who art in heaven, that's the resource of prayer. And this is where it gets tricky sometimes because a lot of times we go to God with an agenda, right? We go to God with Him wanting to do uh, something. We want Him to do what we want uh, uh, to be done in our own understanding, our own resources. But when we say our Father who art in heaven, uh, what that reveals is that God is not limited to our area or our world. He is in heaven, ruling and reigning, and He has resources far greater than we could ever have. Um, he has more resources than we do in our understanding, 
right? Our understanding is limited. His understanding is not limited. Um, Isaiah tells us, for our, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So he has, he has unlimited understanding where we have limited understanding. He has unlimited strength where we have limited strength. Um, we have uh, limited time. He has unlimited time. So, so when we pray to God and we say, Our Father who art in heaven, we are saying, God, the resources you have is according to your understanding, according to your strength, and according to your power, according to your timetable. So he works his way up to the third phrase. That's where we're at tonight. Um, Hallowed be thy name. Now, preached about this before. We've taught on it. We've learned it. And every time I get dig back into it, read it, uh, it really is such a powerful phrase. And uh, this phrase is a very interesting phrase. Matter of fact, this is one of those that's not a declaration. It's, it's actually a request. Um, it's a request that could read something like this. God, let your name be magnified or glorified in my life and all my circumstances. So in other words, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let your name be magnified in my life and all my circumstances. So it's really like a tone setter. It's really like the motive behind prayer. Um, you know, we're not given, uh, we are not given prayer just to get our wants, needs, and desires. Like, like God didn't give us the privilege of prayer just for us as a bunch of spoiled babies to be able to get whatever we want, Right? No, he's given us the privilege of prayer so that when we come to prayer, we submit to God's will, we submit to his glory, we submit to him being glorified in our life, and the end result is above all else that God is glorified when it's all said and done. So the chief end of prayers is not getting our will done on earth, but the chief end of prayer is God getting his will done in our lives so his name can be hallowed. His name can be glorified. So you ask yourself, is, is God's name being hallowed with your prayer life? If God answered every prayer that you've been praying, would his name be hallowed? Would his name be glorified? Would his name be magnified? And you say, well, I don't even know what God's name being hallowed means. I don't even know what it means. And I'm glad you asked. And I'm glad thousands who are watching online will be able to hear this. Because throughout the Bible, you see, you see principle being set up. God works and he moves and he does things with people, for people, in people, but you understand the Bible in the context that it's never done for that sole purpose only. Like, like God moved in Moses, he used Moses, he worked with Moses, but there was such a higher, a, a, a higher purpose and meaning just more than just who Moses was. See, God works and God's moves and God does things for people because he is above all going to be hallowed or magnified. That's the end goal. So our lives, as important as they are, as much as God has given us uh, in our life, it is not the chief end of God. Like, like God's glory does not rise or fall upon, based upon our life or how we, want it to get it, or how we want to get our own way in life. See, the overarching theme of it all is that when our life is done, 
When our prayer is done, when God answers our prayers, the overarching theme of it all is, is God's name glorified with all that I've prayed, all that he's answered, and all how he's used me in my life. So you think about it, how does that happen? Well, four principles I want to give you for God's name being hallowed in our lives that are fulfilling this prayer. Um, first, if we want God's name to be hallowed in our prayer life, in our life as well, we must have a healthy fear of God in our life. Now, when I say healthy fear, um, I don't mean like a fear of being scared. Um, you know, uh, Mercy Me sings a song called Ghost, and um, they, they're talking about the Holy Ghost, and he's saying not like the scared, you know, white sheet ghost that you see on the movies, but... He's saying that you see this prayer or you see this ghost as one who's deeply revered, that you have a healthy respect, a healthy understanding of who God is. And in our culture today, the reason why we don't see a lot of power in our prayer and a lot of power in Christians is because we bring God down to our level. Because when we come to approach God, we approach him like a friend or a buddy or someone who is uh, somebody who we might be casually speaking to. And listen, God is a friend and he is one who comes alongside of us, but we should never lose sight of that God is to be feared. God is to be respected. And, and, and for God in our life, he is a big deal. Like, like he should be treated with respect and the highest level of reverence that we can. And, and you know, other people should, uh, should know that we take God serious in our lives, and those who are around us know we should, and we should be mocking God or disrespecting God by our actions or everyday language. Like, you know, we should not, we should, we should, when we come to God, there should still be inside of us a holy reverence for him and his name. And, and you know, today in our culture, like I said, and especially in Christianity, We've watered down God so much that, you know, we want people to be able to approach God and to know who God is, but yet we also miss the mark on teaching people how they should be reverent to God and how they should fear God's name, how they should fear who God is. Um, Isaiah uh, chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, you can jot these verses down and go back and look at them. It says, do not say a conspiracy Concerning all that the people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. See, what Isaiah is telling him as a prophet, he's saying, listen, don't say it's a conspiracy. Don't say all the threats or be troubled by all these people or your enemies that's coming against you. Be afraid of God. Let him be. doesn't matter who you honored, right? If you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. If you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. See, God's a big deal. He should not be held hostile in a situation where we stand on God's word and we, we, we don't fear the things of this world. Like most people in this world have a higher reverence for their bank account than they do God. Most people in this world have a higher reverence for their job than they do God. Most people have a higher reverence for their possessions than they do for God. And, and God is not the big deal. God is not the one who is hallowed in their life. They fear the loss of things of the worldly things more than they fear 
So when we say, hallowed be thy name, what we mean is, Father, let your name be feared. Or in other words, Father, cause me to have such a high view of you that is much more dreadful thing to lose your approval and you not answering my request than to lose uh, anything that the world can offer me. That it's worth it that your name be hallowed regardless of what I request in my prayers or my life. And listen, for us, it's a good question. How big of a deal is God in your heart and life? When we go to God in prayer, we must know and we must hallow his name. We must bring an honor and a reverence for his rightful place in our heart and our life. And and above all, no matter what we pray or what we bring before God or what's in our life, we should be able to say, God, hallowed be your name. You are revered. You are, you are, you are spoken of in, in our life. So the first principle is to have a healthy fear of God. The second principle of hallowing God is to believe God. See, it's not enough to say God is the great I am and then not believe it, right? We got to believe it. You know, when Moses went to God uh, and he said, God, who shall I tell him that sent me? What did God say? The great I am. Tell him the great I am sent you. And Moses said, God, who should I go and who should I, who should I say sent me? He says, the great I am. And, and if Moses, if you look through his life, every time he failed, and especially the time when God told me to enter the promised land, he doubted the belief that God was able to do something. Um, Numbers 20, verse 12 says, During the wilderness wandering the people of Israel, there was a time, remember, they had no water. And uh, the people were grumbling. The people was whining to Moses. And Moses was getting upset. And God told Moses specifically, he said, speak to the rock and bring forth water for the people. But you remember, Moses was bitter. And Moses' heart was, was cold. And Moses didn't believe God. So he speaks harshly and he strikes the rod twice with his rod. Right? Instead of just speaking to it, he, he hit it twice. So water comes out, but the stinging word of God says to Moses, because you did not believe in me or hallow my name in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly in the land which I have given them. You notice the same word there? You did not believe in me or hallow my name, sanctify my name. So these are the words given us to first answer our question. What does it mean to sanctify or hallow, hallow be God's name? Is to believe him. That he is who he says he's going to is. He is going to do what he says he's going to do. And we better not be bitter and impulsive and ready to doubt God. we got to believe in him. And, and, and for us as Christians, a lot of times it's hard to believe in God because we look at all the circumstances rather than looking at God. Like a lot of times when we come to God in prayer, we take our problems and we go to God and say, look how big our problems are, right? But yet, really... If we believed in God and we believed in who he says he is and we have him hallowed in our life, that we are, have him honored in our life, we will take our problems and we will take them to God and say, look how big our God is. That, that I believe in him, that he can change anything. He can change my home. He can change my health. He can change my, my life. He can change our church. I am trusting in God. He is the one who says he will do it. He is the great I am. He is the one who provides. He's the one who who can do anything in my life. And I believe in him. Hallowed be thy name means trusted be your word. I don't know about you, but, you know, for us as Christians, 
When we go to God in prayer, we can't waver, right? That's what James tells us. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, right? Meaning that we can't go to God and expect him uh, and have faith and trust in God when we're wavering back and forth. And do we trust in God or do we not trust in God? You know, we say we believe in God to change us, but yet we want to try to help him out a little bit, right? We, we want to believe in God, but we waver back and forth. When God's name is hallowed in our life, we believe in him and we trust in him and we have faith in him and we know that he is able. You know, it's amazing how God works things out. We sing that song, God is Able. And, and you know, in our lives, we think about it, how, how do we really believe God is able? And one of the greatest pictures of that to me is the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That, that they were there, and think about it, they had given their lives for God. They were serving God, they were doing everything they were supposed to be doing. They would not bow, they would not break. So, so they take them, and they bring them up to that fiery furnace, they ordered them to death, and they, they said, are you going to do it? And they said, this was their response, they said, uh, we trust in the Almighty God that He will deliver us, but even if He doesn't, He's still the Almighty God. He, he, they had faith to say, if not, we know He can, but if He doesn't, He's still God. Because they believed in a God that whether it was a rescue here on earth or it was going to be a rescue in eternity, they trusted in Him, period. No questions asked. And a lot of times in our prayer life, when we come to God's name, or come to God's word, when we come to God's name, we put, a, we put a comma where there should be a period, right? I believe in God's going to take care of this, comma, and then we add a bunch of stuff after that. <laughs> if I can help him do this, and if I can do this, and if this will happen, and this will happen, this will happen. Well, when we come to God, we say, I trust in God, and he is going to take care of everything, period. No comma. No adding on, no carrying through another thought. No, he is who he says he is, and we believe in his name, and we trust in his name. Part of hallowing God is to say that I trust him, I believe in him 100%, and we will see God work it through. He is going to do what he says he's going to do, period. He is the great I am. Listen, trusted be your word, Lord. So to fear God... Number one is to hallow God, to trust in God or believe God to answer your prayers. That is hallowing God in your life as well. And then to fear God, to believe in God now, the third thing is to obey God. If we hallow God in our life, we will, be, we will obey God. Now, Leviticus 30, 22, 31, and 32, as you read it, it says, so, so you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord, and you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So he says, so you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord, and you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the people of Israel. So how is God hallowed by this verse? Think about it. The name of God is hallowed when we obey his commandments. See, when we're not like God, we profane his name. You know, one of the dangers for us is taking casual Christianity and casually the name of being a Christian is that we feel like we can obey God or disobey God and it really doesn't matter. Listen, it may not matter here on this earth or it may not matter in the situation that you're in, but it matters to God. 
When you say you're a Christian, when you take on the name of God, when you take on the banner of being a sold-out, born-again believer in Jesus Christ, when we do that, there is expectation that we are going to obey God and obey His commandments, that we will act and we will, we will believe and we will act out on what we believe. It's obeying God's commands in our life. Listen, don't think that you're going to pray to God and, know, and think he's going to answer in your life when there's known sin that's disobedient to God in your life. And that's why it's so important in relationships. If you're living in sin and you're asking God to give you direction and guidance and wisdom, guess what? It's not going to come because there's sin in your life. And God's name is not hallowed when we don't keep his commandments. When we keep his commandments, then his name is hallowed. That he, he is hallowed in his name that we do not profane his holy name. And you think about our lives. You think about how we're living. We think about how we're disobeying God. When we disobey God, we profane the name of God. And listen, God's people should act like God, Period. I mean, I'm going to preach about legalism this Sunday. And one of my fears is that when people talk about legalism, they want to take out, they want to take out lordship, right? Like, like lordship is, is the principle behind all of Christianity. And, and yet legalism is the, is, the, is the negative side of taking lordship and turning it into rules and regulations so you earn the favor of God. Like, like, we never earn the favor of God. We never earn our salvation. We never earn grace. But yet, the opposite of that is true. You know, uh, liberalism, or for those who, who have a license to sin, see, that's the opposite. That I can live any way, do anything I want to do, say anything I want to say, live any way I want to be, and I'm saved, and that's it, period. Never, never have to worry about honoring God in all my life. Listen, both of those are wrong. Right? It's the lordship that matters. And, and when we come to God and his commandments, if he is Lord of our life and we are, we are trusting in God and we are obeying him and we are living out his commands in our life, then his name is being hallowed. When we don't, his name is being profane. Like, like we are bringing shame to the name of God. And so if we don't want to bring shame to the name of God, we've got to obey God. So uh, to fear God, to believe God, to obey God. I told you four things. The last thing is to reflect God. Um, if you look at Leviticus 10.3, you can look at this later. Um, if you think about it, Leviticus 10.3, Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. I will show myself holy among those who are near to me, and before all the people I will be glorified. See that? It, this text is saying that God show himself holy, and he's being glorified in me, and they're both of the same. Hallowed be thy name is glorified be thy name. And, and, and how do we get to near God? We've got to be like God, right? So we got to be holy as God is holy, and when he is holy, not only in our inside, but on our outside as we're obeying God, then he is, he is obeyed, he is being glorified by our actions and our outward behavior. Listen, we need to be holy on the inside and holy on the outside, right? We need to be holy in our thoughts. We need to be holy in our attitudes. We need to be holy in our, in our intentions towards other. And when we see that, when, we, when people see that, they see God and our outward behavior, then God will be hallowed and God will be honored in our life. It'll bring glory to God, not shame to him. 
We need to reflect the holiness of God and the power of God in our life. And so when you think about these four things in our life, if we run those things down through our prayer life, it's pretty important to see. You know, is my prayer life based upon all my wants, needs, and desires? Because here's the disconnect. The disconnect is when we come to God and we pray to God, that we, the expectation has been set that God's got to answer every prayer that we pray. And if he don't, then God let me down, right? I mean, how many times have you gone to God and you feel like you've really had it figured out and God didn't answer your prayers and you turn around and you get upset or you get discouraged, right? Um, I was listening to a preacher today. And he was talking about uh, this man went to a shop in the devil's workshop. And uh, the devil had all sorts of tools out, you know, and he had, he had all sorts of tools out there. And he said, you know, we got, I, I got the tool of, of liberalism. I got the tool of legalism. I got all these different tools. And he said there was one tool bright and shiny up on the wall. And he says, oh, how about that tool? How much does it cost to buy that tool? And he says, oh, see this tool? He said, this tool's not for sale. This tool's not for sale because this is the tool that means more to me than anything else. He said, this is the tool that opens up all the ways, everything I need for all the other tools to work. And he says, really? He goes, yeah, this is the tool of discouragement. You see, when the devil can get us discouraged, when the devil can get us to lose courage and faith and trust in God, when he can get us to not be bringing glory to God, when he can get us not hallowing God, when he can bring us down, when he gets those things, then we're opened up to all the other tools of the devil. He can use fear. He can use worry. He can use um, hatred. He can use envy. He can use all his other little tools when we lose courage and who God is and what he's done for us. And that's why it's so important. When we pray, hallowed be thy name. That, that we know and we trust in God, that he is, his name is to be feared more than anything else, that, that when we pray our prayers, it is, God, you are to be feared, you are to be revered more than anything else in my life. When we pray, it's, God, you are the one who can answer all my prayers. I believe in you. I trust in you. Now listen, a lot of times for us when we get to not believe in you, you know, we might be like Moses where we get bitter. And instead of just speaking to the rock, we want to strike the rock. We, we wanna, we wanna, we're upset, so we want to speak harshly and we want to strike the rock. But our hearts should be pure that no matter what, if we get our way, we don't get our way. We got to believe in God. We got to trust in Him. We got to know He is. And we can't lose courage. We got to trust in Him. Then we got to obey it. No matter what it is in our life, we have to be obedient to God's commands. Listen, for us as Christians, that's why it's so important to serve the Lord. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, I don't know how you do it. You know, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort to serve God. It takes a lot of time to this. And I think, how do you not do it? You know what I mean? Like, if I wasn't serving God... You know, if I, if I didn't put my time into serving God and I, didn't, and I didn't respond to the call that God put on my life and I wasn't serving the Lord, guess what? I, I, my God's name wouldn't be hallowed in my life. I wouldn't be obeying Lord God's command. I would be disobedient to God's commands and asking him to bless me. How does that work? Like, if I knowingly would not serve the Lord, how would I expect God to, to be hallowed in my life? Plus, I've heard too many witnesses and testimonies of people who know they should have served God and they didn't, how miserable the life was, right? <laughs> I mean, a lot of times we think about 
obedience to God and how what it costs to be a Christian or what it costs to be serving the Lord. But listen, it's far less than, than, than uh, being disobedient to God. And so we've got to fear God, we've got to believe in God, we've got to obey God, and we must reflect God the inside and outside, no matter what we are. Our lives should reflect the holiness of God. And when people bump into us, when people come into contact with us, they ought to say, man, the God of the outside is just as great and glorious as the God of the inside, that we are reflecting the holiness of God in our life. If you think about it, for our prayers and our desires... Our Father, what a privilege it is to take it to God in prayer. That He is our Father, and He wants to hear from us. And we have a rightful place to go to God. That, that we're not coming in as a shameful son or a daughter of God, yet He is our Father, and He is one who wants to hear from us. And He is one who is, we have the right to approach the throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, every time I go to pray, I always say, I, I don't come on my own merits, I come on the merits of Jesus Christ. That he has given me the right to be called a son of God. It's not of my own doings. But I come before him as a son. You come before him as a daughter before the Lord, and he wants to hear from you who art in heaven. That, that God, you are glorious. God, you are in heaven. God, your resources are further my resources. My understanding is limited. It's just a, it's a great outline for us to pray. That, that as we pray through our situations, God, change my mind, my circumstances, my, my heart, because I know your resources are so far above mine, and you are on the throne are ruling and reigning from heaven, hallowed be thy name. Meaning that the rest of my prayer and the all of my life, when it's all said and done, may it bring glory and hallow the name of God. Would you be willing to trade all of your prayers that you've ever prayed for them to be answered? Would you be willing to trade that rather than having God's name be hallowed in your life? Think about that. Would you be willing to do it and say, well, as long as I get every prayer I've ever prayed for, I'd be happy with that. Or would you say, God, no matter what it is, whether you answer or you don't answer, you are able, you, you can do it, you might do it, you might not do it, but no matter what happens in my life, above all, I want your name to be hallowed. I want your name to be glorified because I have a respect and honor, and you're a big deal in my life, and I want to bring glory to you with all that I say and all that I do. Man, when you set the tone for prayer like that, a lot of times it is pretty selfish to ask God for an easier time, right, or, or more money, or a more comfortable life, or anything like that, because when you really get down to it, and you really understand who God is and what he's done for us, everything else pales in comparison for sure. So, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's pray tonight.